The following Lenten series on Christian leadership is made possible by the Perrysburg Auto Mall and Catholic Charities of the Diocese of Toledo. This special Ignite Radio Live podcast is brought to you by Mass Impact. Not another program, a way of life in Jesus Christ. Find out more at massimpact.us. It is a pleasure. It's a blessing to stand among you today. And just, you take a look at the people around this room and you think, wow. You just hope some of it rubs off, right? I mean, I'm inspired just to be among so many like-minded people who truly have a heart for the Lord. And I think Connie and Rich model the way. Here they are in a very worldly business boldly professing their faith, integrating what they believe at the deepest level with what they do day in and day out. Just Rich's opening comments are inspiring. And as you look around the room here, do you not see some people that you would like to be more like them? That you see some qualities and virtues. If there's one thing that comes through, one leadership principle that's so evident in all facets of our life, sports, education, business, it's Proverbs 23, 17, 27, 17. Iron sharpens iron. You want to be the best at whatever you choose to do, you hang with those kind of people. So I know when I get to stand among some people that Rich and Connie Cronin have invited, it's a privilege. Now, are you sitting in assigned seats? You, you're not. You, you got to choose where you're sitting. Are there people in the room that you don't know? You know what research says about human behavior? You are more likely, before you would sit next to someone that you don't know, you'll sit next to someone you don't like. Now check who chose to sit next to you. Huh? Huh? Did you meet anybody new here today? You did. If you met somebody new here today, raise your hand. Excellent. Put your hand down. Now, to do that, you had to get out of your comfort zone just a little bit because we all bring them in. That's why we sit where we sit. Every Sunday we go to the same pews, right? I see it play out in the halls of corporate America, schools, public places all the time. Suddenly, whoop, sorry, Greg. When we become very close or get so close to that person that we're walking down the hallway to, we become very interested in the tops of our shoes. We do this, we walk right by. Until somebody breaks it and looks up and says, good morning. Right? Isn't that amazing? We carry this comfort zone with us. But if there's one thing we know about leadership, it's about getting outside of your comfort zones. For some of you even to come here today and sit next to some people that you don't know might have been a little bit out of your comfort zone. Do you know the names of the persons that you met this morning? Could you call them by name right now? Yeah, right. Here's what you said. I'm really good with faces, but I have a hard time with Paul. Has anybody ever come up to you and go, I know your name, it's your face, I forget. <laughs> they don't do that, right? Not with my last name. Not with, not with the last. If you can pronounce Paul's last name, yeah. <laughs> but there's something. But you know, 
bars and barbershops learned long ago the power of a name. Remember that theme song from the TV show Cheers? Sometimes you want to go to a place where people know your name. It's really important. That's why I forgot to bring the name tags today, Rich. I apologize. I said I'd do that and I forgot. So while you're here, just make sure that you get a chance to introduce yourself if you haven't, because there's some really good people in this room. There really are. Because of that, I can make three assumptions about all of you. Even though I know very few of you really well, many of you I've met before. But I do have three assumptions. Number one, you are really good people. And I can say that based on the credibility of Connie and Rich Cronin. Because you are friends of theirs, or you are friends of friends of theirs. That's all I need to know. Number two, your faith is very important to you. You wouldn't be here if you didn't have an appetite to know your faith better. And here we are on the breaking of this Lenten season to journey more closely with Christ so that truly over the course of the next couple of weeks, excuse me, months, we will strengthen that relationship. Consider this Lenten series an excellent opportunity in your ongoing development as a Christian leader. It'll be an awesome opportunity. By the way, Rich and through the um, generosity of Catholic Charities, you got little notebooks. Take notes. Ink beats memory every time. You write a few things down, it doesn't matter. By the way, it's a great way to look busy. The speaker's boring, you start writing notes. They don't know what you're writing down. You might have a grocery list tonight, write it down. You know, it doesn't matter. But it's amazing what you do. Then you come home and you can debrief a little bit. You look at those notes, it'll spur some new thoughts. So take some notes. This is an excellent opportunity with some awesome people. Maybe the best thing that will get said here today won't be from a speaker, but it'll be something that comes up at your table in a conversation with each other. So I make that assumption. Number one, you're good people. Number two, you have an appetite to know your faith. Your faith is important. Number three, you're all sinners. <laughs> you're all sinners, right? Like St. Paul says, and of those, I am the most. Right? We're all on the journey. Anybody here who isn't, let me know. I'll take up your cause for canonization right now. <laughs> but we are all on the journey. But that's exactly why we're here. So over the course of the next, what, 15, i got to watch my time, 20 minutes, I want to share some thoughts about leadership that I think are very relevant for whatever walk in life we are. And I use that term to mean not just a leader of a business, but the leader of a home, whether you are the mother or father, the most important organization we have is the domestic church, our home. It starts there. In fact, I could even go one step deeper. The most important leadership begins right in here. It is inside. St. Ignatius gave us three basic rules for leadership development. He didn't quite say them that way, but that's my take on them. Number one, know yourself. Number two, know Christ. Number three, imitate Christ. If I ever get to give a commencement speech to a Catholic school, that'd be my talk right there. Doesn't get any simpler than that, doesn't get any more challenging than that, or more full than that. So I want to share a few thoughts about leadership. When you think for a moment about who has influenced you as a leader, and again, I mean as, as a mother, as a father, as a business leader, who's had the biggest, 
Who are some of the people that have had the biggest impact on who you are today as a leader? Just stop and think for that for a moment. I'll tell you what the research says. The apple doesn't fall very far from the tree sometimes. For most people, the first or a few of the first they think of are their mom and dad. Did anybody think of their parents? Okay, or maybe somebody who filled that parental role, uh, a coach, a teacher, uh, a, another relative. I gotta tell you, my mom was not a business manager. She never worked outside the home. She never went to college. She never took a business leadership course, but make no mistake, she was a leader. And you did not have to wait 12 months before you got a performance appraisal. <laughs> you knew right where you stood, okay? So here's the challenging part about being a leader today. Whatever organization you're in, it is a very different world than when your parents were in the business. Everything's faster. By the way, where once we used to say a generation gap, remember back in the 60s and 70s we talked about generation gaps? What was a generation gap? How many years? 20. 20. It was the normal time for another generation to begin. Today, psychologists say it's four because of the pace of life. And I know 22-year-old young adults who can't connect with 18-year-old kids, and it keeps going on down. Look, during, when I was a kid, I remember at 11 o'clock, there was a commercial used to come on. This is back in the 70s. Some of you remember this. It went like this. It's 11 o'clock. Parents, do you know where? By the 90s, it could have been, I swear, Children, do you know where your parents are? <laughs> and today it might be, do you know where you are? <laughs> the pace of life is really picking up. It's a different world. It's so much more complex. Customer expectations are going up. Think what technology has done to help business and also hinder your work as a leader. Technology today brings many things together, but does it not also separate us? The work of leadership is communication. The outcome of that communication is relationships. So I take a look at all the research of what we say about what makes a good leader. Even though the context is so different from what it was 10, 20, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, the content, what makes a good leader, has changed very little since the beginning of time. What makes a good leader is pretty much the same as it was 2,000, 4,000 years ago. Some of those classic traits that can be found right all through Scripture. If you want a good book on leadership and teamwork, Relevant for business today, read Proverbs. It's rich. You don't know how to, you don't want to read a lot, you get one little proverb a day. It will just fill you up and you think, my gosh, they've written books on this stuff. And it was coined way back then. It's so rich, the book of Proverbs. So I look at these traits, what, what makes a good leader today, and I can take it all, I can put it into four Four pillars, four common qualities that you can remember with the acronym FIRE. 
These are my words for it. But again, I can, this isn't just anecdotal. I can tie it right to the research. It begins first with faith. Your faith. What you believe. More than anything else, it starts there. Think of this very practically. As a leader in a business, you better believe in your business. You better believe in the mission, the vision, the values, your product, your service. You got to believe in that. You got to believe in the people that you work with. You got to believe in yourself. A common denominator among successful leaders in sports, in education, and in business, and in politics is a cultivated prayer life. Most leaders recognize the need for prayer. So it begins with the faith. What do you believe? Most of you, if you go to a Catholic church or another a, a main denominational church, you got a creed that you profess, right? I believe in one God, the Father Almighty. Just walking through the creed, line by line, is an exercise in itself about what you believe. And then when you come to the end of a prayer, most any prayer, what is that one word that unites the Christian community around the world? We all say, amen. What does that mean to you? What does the word amen mean? I believe. I, believe. I think for a moment how intense and grave that statement was to the early church fathers. Those early church members, when they said, I believe, do you know what that meant? That meant, I believe to the death, to the very death. It became a very common response in the early church when they received communion. And they meant, I believe that that is literally, truly the body, blood of Jesus Christ, and I stake my life on it. Wow. So when you and I go up to receive communion, and we say amen, or we say amen after the prayer, Think how profoundly powerful of a statement that is. And if we can't believe what we say we are believing, that ought to drive us to the scriptures. Then you got to know why. That ought to drive us to the catechism of the Catholic Church to learn why. That ought to drive you to your pastor, your friends, to begin exploring those, re those reasons. Because when we say, I believe, we got to mean that. we got to know what that means. Scott Hahn tells in his book, The Signs of Life, even the richness of the rituals that we have in church. If you went to a Catholic grade school and you were taught, prepared for Holy Communion, there was only one way that you folded your hands. Only one way. Paul, could you hold this for a minute? <laughs> it was like this, right? Every, just do that for a moment. Most of us were taught to do this. I mean, there was no ands, if, buts about it. Systemary caritas said, this is how you got to go. Now, over time, we've evolved a little bit. But you know what that symbolized for the early church members? What did that symbolize? Think for a moment. What is that? It's a flame pointing up to heaven. But over time, different traditions and customs evolved, and it turned into this. You know what this meant? When a knight would stand before his king, He'd remove his hands from his weapons and put himself in the most vulnerable, trusting, submissive posture he could before his king, and he would clasp his hands. So when you pray, whether you do this or whether you do this, you think about being in service to the king of kings. Just don't do this. In the speaking business, you know what we call this? 
the fig leaf. Adam and Eve did that. You don't want to do that. That's true. So I ask you, what do you believe as leaders? Again, business, family, community, school. What do you believe? On your little handout that I gave you, you'll see there's, in the first right under faith, there's a question that says, what do you believe? And about, the first comes to mind, can you write down one, two, or three words that you believe in? That your qualities, traits, uh, virtues that you would aspire to. I suggest maybe you come back to that. Here's where we do that. It's, when I am working with a leader in the beginning, in a coaching engagement, we're working on, my work is to help successful leaders take their leadership to the next level, wherever they are, to become better leaders. I don't work on the financial side. I don't work on the strategy side. I don't work on the sales side. I work on the leadership side. How they communicate, how they interact, how they make decisions, how they make use of the talent that sits around their organization. And then we begin with, what do you stand for? Because that's what your people want to know. What do you stand for? And you, I, we go through many iterations to get them to craft a couple of words that they feel like, that's what I stand for. I may not always be there, but that's what I aspire to because that is fundamental for a leader. Because overall, your challenge as a leader is to live and lead in such a way that people would see in action what you wrote down on that paper. That if you write down integrity, would you live your life with integrity? If you write down honesty, do you live it honestly? If you write it down caringly, would people know that about you? You've heard about the exercise where what do you want written on your gravestone? That's really what this is. Say, what do you aspire to? So that's a very important thing about leadership. Number one, what, what do you stand for? To figure that out. So if leadership begins with a faith, understanding what you believe in and professing that, that's the believing part. What's the doing? That's integrity. That's integrity. You've heard that definition. Integrity is what you do when nobody is watching, looking, right? But when you are the leader, when you are the parent, they're always watching. They're never not watching. I can tell you the chemistry of this showroom changes when Rich would walk into the room because he's the owner, he's the leader, and it should. That's the responsibility that goes with that, whether he likes it or not. Now, that doesn't mean people are going to be different people, but I tell you, that's what, what changes. We're always watching the leader. Our eyes are on him. Your kids are watching you all the time, right? We know the power of living the message. We believe way more of what we see than what we hear. Integrity it comes from the Latin word integritas, meaning one, whole, uncorrupt. That what you do and what you say is the same. It is the number one ranked leadership trait People say, I have to see that in a leader. I have to know that I can count on what my leader, my boss, my parents say, whatever, if I'm going to follow them. It's paramount. And we're all working on it. And today, we live, it's about the truth. And we live in a culture, unfortunately, where the truth is under great oppression. Suppression. 
In fact, we're told that the media is at an all-time low for believability. We don't even know what to believe sometimes. Let me show you something. Everybody take your right hand. Put your right hand up in the air. Make, take your index finger. Just point your index finger. On the count of three, I want you to point due north and hold it. One, two, three, point. Hold it. Now look around the room. I saw Tad go, whoop. All right. Put your hands down. Pretty easy uh, because we got big windows here. But I'll do that inside of a building where there's no windows, and you'd be surprised. I got a 360-degree north. But, you know, that's what's, what's, what it symbolizes is how we get turned around in life, in business. We look to the leaders to know where is true north. We look to our church, to our pastor for true north. Because left to ourselves, sometimes we become disoriented. There was a movie back in, I can't remember the exact year, probably was in the late 80s. It was with Jack Nicholson, Tom Cruise. It's called A Few Good Men. And it was all about truth and really a lack of integrity. And there was a classic line that came out of that movie. And even if you never saw the movie, you remember the line. It went something like this. First of all, Jack Nicholson is grilling, getting grilled by Tom Cruise, okay? Danny Caffey is grilling Colonel Jessup. And he says, what do you want? Tom Cruise says, I want answers. Jack Nicholson says, you want answers? Tom Cruise says, I want answers. He says, you want answers? And Tom Cruise slams his fist down. He says, I want the truth. And what did Jack Nicholson say? See, everybody knows that. <laughs> but here's, by the way, but do you remember what Jack Nicholson said right after that? I'll tell you. Son, we live in a world that has walls, and those walls have to be guarded by men with guns. Who's going to do it? You, you, Lieutenant Weinberg. I have a greater responsibility than you can possibly fathom. You weep for Santiago. You curse the Marines. You have that luxury. You have the luxury of not knowing what I know, that Santiago's death, while tragic, probably saved lives. And my existence, while grotesque and incomprehensible to you, saves lives. You don't want the truth because eat down in places you don't talk about at parties. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. We use words like honor, code, loyalty. We use these words as the backbone of a life spent defending something. You use them as a punchline. I have neither the time nor the inclination to explain myself to a man who rises and sleeps under the blanket of the very freedom I provide and then questions the manner in which I provided. I'd rather you just said thank you and went on your way. Otherwise, I suggest you pick up a weapon and stand a post. But either way, I don't give a darn what you think you are entitled to. Okay, I get a little carried away. I've seen it a few times. But that is precisely, precisely what we're looking for in life. That is precisely what our kids count on from mom and dad. It's what we count on from the church we go to. It's what we know we can find when we look into Scripture because our Lord said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And it's what your employees are looking for from you. Sure, there's always things that you can't tell people sometimes. 
in, in, the, in the cadence of communication, but they always have to know when you open your mouth, they can take it to the bank. That's essential for leadership. So integrity. Third is responsibility. So we got faith, we got integrity, responsibility. Responsibility for what? If there's one word inherent with leadership, one verb, it's serve, to serve. This goes back, think about the antithesis of that. What did the devil himself say to God Almighty? I will not serve. The Lord raised up St. Michael. The war began. I will not serve. That's what we're supposed to do. We are here to serve. Think of this. If you were raised in the Baltimore Catechism, the very, that question went like this. Why did God make you? God made me to and love and serve Him in this world. So one day we could all be together in the next. It's amazing how inherently that's etched in the very work of a leader. What does success look like in business? That varies from the business that you're in. But I'll tell you what success looks like for you and me. Ultimately, as Christians, it's when, hopefully, dear God, when we hear those final words, well done, then we know it's over. Then we know we're in. Welcome. That's what we want to hear. So the responsibility is a responsibility to serve, to serve a higher call, to, to serve for the common good, to truly, who was the consummate servant leader? Jesus. Corporate America has become quite enamored with servant leadership. But don't you dare mention the name Jesus Christ in corporate America. Oh, no, we're talking about spirituality, okay? But Jesus was the servant leader. Nobody, just think what he did. He came to this earth with so much impact, he split time in two. Even atheists and those who would mock and attack his church do it by date. A.C. and B.C. There's our model for leadership. That's why we have to read Scripture. We have, during this Lenten season, make sure you sign up for a little daily Bible reading. If you're Catholic, you can get through your parish or through the diocese, a USCCB, little email that comes every day to what the daily readings are. If you don't want to read it all, read one of them. Read a verse, but read. We have to read. What does St. Paul say? Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. And you can't preach what you don't know. That's our responsibility. Lastly, enthusiasm. How could you underestimate the importance of enthusiasm for the work that you do? Now think of this. Rich is in the car business. Rich and Connie and the rest of their employees, so much of what they do has to be upbeat, forward-looking, enthusiastic. What if... They had a number, scale of 1 to 10, 1 low, 10 high. Their level of enthusiasm for this business was written right here on their forehead. And every day they came into work, they had that number right here. Huh? And a customer walked into this showroom to buy a car, and the salesman turns around, and they got a 2 written right on their head. What would, I know what my kids are going to go, loser! See, you don't have a number written on your forehead, but you know what you do have on the look of your face? A smile. 
We all know what Mother Teresa said about the power of a smile. We have a chance every day to put that into motion. Do you know anybody can walk into a room and brighten it up? Do you know anybody can walk out of the room and brighten it up? <laughs> you gotta be the first kind, okay? That's why you and I are here today. Rich and Connie are those kind of people, and many of the rest of you who are in this room today. That's why we have to be enthusiastic. We will all find our own ways to express it. We have different personalities given by God, but we've got to find our way to be upbeat and enthusiastic. It's a great word. It comes from two Greek words, en, which meant within, and theos in Greek was who? God. Those early Greeks didn't even have a word to describe this animation, this energy that came when people converted to Christianity. They said it's as if they have God within. What a compliment to be told we're enthusiastic. My favorite quote from Vince Lombardi, the all-time great legendary Green Bay Packer coach, is not about winning. It's this. You'll be fired with enthusiasm or you will be fired with enthusiasm. <laughs> Isn't that a great line? We have to model the enthusiasm that we want to see in the people around us. That's what leaders do. They model the way. Look at your handout, please. And at the second page, kind of at the bottom, you'll see a line. It says timeline. The alpha and the omega. Who knows Latin? Thank you. Bill, what's that say? What's, what's, can you say it in Latin? Time flies, remember death. Time flies, remember death. Lent is a good time when we're reminded about that. Many of you started by getting ashes, right? Yep. What does the priest say when he puts, or the deacon say when he puts those ashes on your forehead? Well, there's a number of different things they could say, but one of them is, remember man, from dust you came, to dust you shall return. Wow, what a... What a reminder. So what I'd like you to do right now in that timeline, put an X where you are now. The left, the alpha is your birth. The right, the omega is your death. Put an X where you are right now on that. I think some of you better bump that over to the right a little bit more. Well, I've got to tell you, about nine months ago, I collapsed in my backyard, and if my dear wife wasn't out there, I would have died right beside the barn. I had a near-fatal heart attack. We do not know the day or the hour, and it really has forced me to recalibrate my life. We don't know where we are in that line, but what we do know is for the short time we're here, whether it's nine or 99 years, we want to stand before our blessed Lord and say, I tried. I tried. You see, we're in the beginning of Lent. Sunday's coming. It's Easter Sunday's coming. We want to get to the end and say, this was a great Lent for me. This was a great Lent. This Lenten series will help you do that. Your church will have activities where you can participate, but no substitute for what you do in the quiet of your own home. Find some structure, some cadence, something you can do to truly help Bend your will and bind your soul more closely to our dear Lord. In a short time, I'm out of here. 
Some of you go back to your jobs, but it has truly been an honor to be with you. I wouldn't say this if it weren't true. Of all the groups I have spoken to, you have been the most recent. <laughs> you have been, but you have been delightful, and I wish you all the best as you come back to these in the Lenten series, but moreover, to your families and to where you work to lead with fire. May God bless you and keep you. Thank you so much. The preceding Lenten series on Christian leadership was made possible by the Perrysburg Auto Mall and Catholic Charities of the Diocese of Toledo. This special Ignite Radio Live podcast was brought to you by Mass Impact. Not another program, a way of life in Jesus Christ. Find out more at massimpact.us.